Good to see you all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to look in the depths of the Old Testament precisely to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the 35th chapter, that's Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then Ezekiel. We'll begin reading in Ezekiel here in a few minutes. Now, as you're turning there, I want to uh, say a few things to you. You may not believe this, but many of you have been the topics of a conversation. Uh, you have been the main topic of some very serious discussions. There have been some people discussing you. Now, you may take offense to that and say, well, I don't like it when people talk about me. But here's the thing. In their discussion, some questions were arose. Uh, uh, questions such as, how in the world did they endure so many different experiences? How did they endure so many hardships or difficulties? Really, how did they encounter so many problems and so much adversity in the past year, and yet you're still here? Some of you don't have to go that far back because there have been some of you that have been through some main major issues, some major transitions just in the last few months. And you really don't know how you made it. How is it that some people survived the car wrecks? How is it that some of you have experienced physical assaults or you have had attacks on your health? Some of you have experienced things that nobody but you and God know about. Some inner hurt, some inner pain, some love scars, if you will. And the question has gone out more than once how in the world, given all that you have been up against after experiencing this university of hard knocks, how is it possible that you are still right here in your right mind and you still live in the land of the living? Other related questions. How is it possible that they have or you have endured such great stress? How is it that you have handled the problems that you have had to deal with? You know, serious problems to an extreme nature. How is it that you have been under so much extreme pressure and so much great stress and you have have not taken a leave of your absences. Someone may ask, how is it that, that, that you have been under such tremendous stress, distressed, and, and, and have not yet been institutionalized at some center for the mental insane? Well, we're going to answer that question in our text today. So I encourage you to turn to the 35th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Have you all found it? Amen. 
We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it. And they said unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, on Mount Seir I am against thee, and I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate, or uh, 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 most desolate and a place of waste. I will lay thy cities waste, and thy shalt be desolate, and I shall know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred. That word perpetual there means everlasting. A everlasting hatred. And has shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword or the power of the sword in the time of their calamity in the time that their iniquity had an end or was coming to an end. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee, since thou hast not hated blood or bloodshed. Even blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from him that passeth out or leaves out, and him that remaineth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men in thy hills and in thy valleys and in all thy rivers or ravines. Shall they fall that are slain with the sword? I will make thee perpetual desolation, or that is desolated forever. And thy city shall not return or be inhabited, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Now start paying attention, because here is the answer to our question. Because thou hast said, these two nations, talking about Israel, talking about Judah, those two nations, and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas... Or although the Lord was there. How have so many of us endured so many hardships over the past few months, over the past years, and yet we are still here. Yet we still have our sanity. Yet we are still making it by overcoming. How are we still doing that? Because the Lord was there. Let me visit with you a few minutes today about the Lord was there. Now, folks, my soul leaps with joy because I am able to be here with you today and I am able to mention these words to you. The Lord was there. You know, it's been rough sometimes. There's been a lot of things going on in our lives here for the past several months, for the past year. Your way may have gotten dark sometimes. Some people counted you out. Some people have wrote you off. 
But what they didn't know in the situation that you were in was that you was never in the situation by yourself. What they didn't know is that the Lord is there. I wonder, will you turn to somebody and tell them that the Lord was there times three in everything that I went through? Because He was. Folks, I believe that while we're going through our calamities and while we're going through our tribulations, I believe that there is a tendency, there is a propensity, there is a predisposition, uh, an issue on our part that we have spent too much time dwelling on who was not there. I believe that we concentrate on that too much. That there is a strange inclination. That there is a strange, strange tendency on our part that, that we're spending too much time that we're focusing on who didn't come through for us. Who didn't show up. Who let us down when we so desperately needed them. I believe that we've been too busy concentrating on the people that wasn't there, the haters in our lives. But I want to submit to you this evening, stop focusing on who wasn't there and start focusing on who was. Because the Lord was there. I suggest that we need to stop looking to those who really never had the power to help us in the first place. You know, in fact, I'm glad that sometimes when I'm going through things that, that certain people didn't show up. And the reason I'm glad is, is because if they would have, they might have said the wrong thing. They might have pointed me in the wrong direction. They might have given us some bad advice because the truth of the matter is if you have the Lord on your side and you can recite Romans 8.28, no matter how bad the situation is, you can say, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the God to them who are called according to His purpose. So for the people that didn't show up, for the people that didn't respond, when we were sick, when we were hungry, when we were homeless, when we were thirsty, or when we were broke, or when we were lonely or sad, or we were broken, broken even more. For those who didn't show up in our time of need, we need to simply say, thank you because the Lord was there. Through it all. And let me just drop this on you today. Can I tell you this? The God that I serve knows when to show up. Every time. He knows when to show up. Now, I want to call some witnesses today. I want to prove this to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. And the first person that I want to call to the witness stand is a fellow by the name of Abraham. How many of y'all remember Abraham and the story behind Abraham? You remember that God called on Abraham 
And, and, and he told Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac and I want you to go up on Mount Moriah and I want you to slay your son. That's what God told Abraham to do. Well, when he was prepared to slay his son, you remember that he had his son bound up and he drew that knife back and he was going to sacrifice his son. He heard his name called twice. God said to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham stopped because he heard it twice. He knew that it must be of the utmost importance. And that voice said, I know you feareth me. And I looked up. And there was a ram tangled up in that bush. You see, the Lord was there. Next, I want to call Daniel. How many of you remember Daniel? What happened to Daniel? Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. And we think, oh, well, what's the big deal about that? He was thrown in that lion's den, and the lions were going to devour him. But the Bible says that God turned their roar into music. Who could only do that? The Lord was there. Now let me call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of y'all remember them? Those three Hebrew boys that got thrown in the fiery furnace and somebody looked in there and said, hey, didn't we throw three in the fiery furnace? And somebody said, yeah, we did. And somebody else looked in there and said, no, I see four. And that fourth one looks like the Son of God. God was there in the middle of the fiery furnace. If he can go through the fire with them, he can go through the fire with you. Amen? They did not bow. They did not bend. And they did not burn because God was there. Just like that. He's there in our sickness. He's there in our lowest hour. He's there when we're tired, beyond tired, and think we can't take another step. He's there when our best friend leaves us. I can truly say the Lord is there. In fact, Scripture says that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, beholding the evil and the good. David said, if I make my bed in hell, the Lord is there. If I make my bed in heaven, He is there. Yes, He's everywhere. And you need to think about this. You need to think, oh, well, yeah, okay, fine. God is there. He's everywhere. But you think about this. The next time you start to do something wrong, you just remember that the Lord is there. The next time you want to say something you know you shouldn't say, 
The Lord is there. The next time you want to say something hurtful to somebody because you get all mad and been out of shape, you need to remember the Lord is there. And the thing about it is, folks, he's got his tally book. Did you hear what I said? He's keeping track of every good and evil deed you do. Don't get complacent. I come over and preach to you too. And I'll do her. But you think about that. You think about the next time you think, oh, well, I can do this one little thing. There ain't nobody watching. The Lord is there. He knows what's going on. So now let me explain this text a little bit that we read. Because we went through a whole lot of stuff to get to that last verse, to those last final four words. But in our text, it opens up by giving us a very interesting episode about the people and the nation of Israel. Our, our, our text tells us that God is angry, that God is disturbed with Mount Seir. And I don't know if, 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 if you know or not, but let me tell you, that Mount Seir was known for its evilness. And God was sick of it. Just like God is sick and tired of our evilness, and I believe this beyond the shadow of a doubt, I believe that God is sick and tired of our evilness here in the United States. And you think there's not going to be anything happen. You see people getting sick. And you wonder why they're getting sick. It's because God is tired of their evilness. You see people dying off. And we wonder why so many people are dying off. It is because God is sick and tired of our evilness. We keep doing the things that we're doing here. And we think there's no ramification for it. But I want to tell you something. God will get sick and tired of it. And He can and will put a stop to it. But you listen to me. God is trying to give us another chance to straighten out our lives. But what are we doing? We're taking it all for granted is what we're doing. You notice what God did here in our story today. God was so angry that He told the man of God by the name of Ezekiel, He told Ezekiel, He said, I want you to go and I want you to prop." prophesy against Mount Seir. And this is the reason why. Mount Seir was a nation of the, the people of Adam. The Adamites is who they were, if you please. And God was upset with them because of the way they were treating and abusing His chosen people, the Israelites. And another reason God was upset with Mount Seir was because they had intent, evil intentions against the people of Israel. He was angry with them because they had hard-heartedness against the people of Israel. What did our text say? It said, you have a perpetual hatred. I'm, and I told you that meant everlasting. They had an everlasting hatred against the people of Israel. I mean, they detested them with every ounce in their body. And God said, enough! 
And look at here what he said he was going to do. God is not pleased, folks, if we're not standing up for righteousness. God is not pleased if we know the way of righteousness, yet we go in another direction. God is not pleased when we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, but we can't look each other in the eye or we can't shake each other's hand because of some strife, because of something that's going on between us. God is not pleased if we don't recognize that everything we know God has taught us. God is not pleased that every place that we have been that he has kept us safe and we just wrote it off. He's not pleased because he's given us everything we've got and yet we want to boast about how we did it. We want to do it our way. The opposite of his will. You see what's going on here. The Edomites coveted the land of Israel. They wanted it. They wanted it bound. Down through the generations. The Edomites always believed that the land of Israel belonged to them. And this is the reason why. As they saw it. The only reason that they did not possess the land was because Jacob had stolen it from their forefathers who was Esau. You remember that story? Or do I need to go off and go chasing rabbits and preach that to you right quick to get you where you need to be? You remember. You remember. Esau sold his birthright for a simple bowl of soup. Thus the Edomites because of that saw every opportunity to either conquer Israel or to lay claim on some of their land. But here's the thing. The Edomites had ignored a very significant fact. After Esau sold his birthright, God had compassion on him and led him to the land that surrounded Mount Seir. But you see God's mercy and God's compassion to the Edomites down through the centuries mattered very little to them. No matter what they had, it was never enough. They still hated Israel. They still coveted Israel's land. And in other words, they continued to choose the way of the world, the, well, the wealth of the world over the plan that God had for them. And because of the fact that they hated Israel, because they wanted to claim their land. The consequences of the, the, the Edomites was covetousness and greed. The Lord would judge him. And his justice would be perfect. 
The Edomites would reap exactly what they had sown. They had sown anger. They had sown strife. They had sown envy. And guess what they were going to reap? Exactly what they had sown. The last time I checked, you don't go out and plant watermelons and reap tomatoes. It just don't work like that, folks. You reap what you sow. And the judgment would honor the Lord's name. Through the judgment of Adam, God would make himself known among the Israelites. And this is what I've gleaned from this scripture. If there's anything I learned, we better be careful how we treat the men and the women of God. Now, I want you to think about that. And let me tell you this. We've got to be careful how we treat one another. And I don't care. I don't care what you think that they are doing wrong. It is not your job to straighten them out, folks. It's God's job. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Listen to me. I didn't say you couldn't try to help them. I said you don't need to be sticking your nose in their business and trying to straighten them out. What do you, you say? Well, Pastor, then what are we supposed to do? You tell God about it and let God do the straightening out. Because He knows how to do it and do it right. Look at this situation that we just read. Who was straightening out the Edomites? God was straightening them out. And I told you that His justice was fair. That His justice was right. Let me prove it to you. Because when you mistreat one of God's children, the only thing you're doing is bringing down God's wrath upon yourself. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at Matthew 18, 6. Now what I'm about to say, Matthew 18, 6, may not be exactly what you have. I, I'm kind of paraphrasing. Matthew 18, 6, did y'all found it? Yeah. Matthew 18, 6, But whoso shall offend one of the little ones which believe in me, it would be better for them to hang a millstone around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I don't think I need to elaborate. I'm going to let God's word speak for itself. So let me close this thing out. Let me wind this thing down. I know that some of you or many of you know that in the Bible, God has a whole bunch of different names. 
Jehovah something, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah. Well, the one I like that I personally like is Jehovah Shammah. S-H-A-M-M-A-H. That means the Lord is there. Why do I like that? Because he's always there. When I'm sick, he's there. When I'm lonely, he's there. When I'm broke, he's there. When I'm friendly, he's there. When I'm mistreated, he's there. When I'm abused, he's there. When I'm accused, he's there. When I'm being lied about, he's there. As I was studying and thinking about this, I had another guy that told me he wanted to testify. And I said, okay, come on and testify. And he, I said, by the way, who are you? And he said, my name is Dave. Y'all remember the story of David? David said, I wanna, I wanna say something. Because you're talking about the Lord is there. And I've been trying to hold my peace, but I can't. He said, I remember the time when I was standing there and I was looking across over yonder. And I was looking at a guy that was four or five times bigger than me. And I looked in my hand and all I had was five rocks and a slingshot. And they even took Saul's armor and tried to put Saul's armor on me, but it was too big. It didn't fit. But I took on that giant. And I popped him right upside the head with one of those rocks, and down he went. How did that little shepherd boy do that? Because the Lord was there. Then I had another guy said, I need to say something too, preacher, if you don't mind. So I said, Well, come on and tell me something. He said, I had a bunch of honorary brothers and I can relate to this really well. They threw me down in a well. They sold me into slavery. I wound up in prison. But yet, I still made it to the palace. How did I get through all of that? His name is Joseph, if you've forgotten. Because the Lord was there. You think about that. You think about all the things that you've been through, that you have gone through, and I bet you if we were honest about it and I ask each one of you individually, you'd probably just shake your head and go, I don't know how I ever made it. I can tell you personally from my experience, I should have been dead a long time ago. Some of the foolish stuff that I did. But the Lord was there. 
Not that I know he wanted me to preach about 30 years ago, because I was pretty wild, footloose and fancy free. And how I made it through, God only knows. But he was there. He was there. Some of you have been going through a whole lot of stuff. Personal issues, health issues, whatever it is. Maybe somebody told you there ain't any way you're ever going to make it through all the snares, all the trials, all the toils that you're facing, but you did because the Lord was there. He was right there. Just in the nick of time. When God was looking at somebody going down, the Lord was right there. Mama couldn't go. Daddy couldn't go. Brother and sisters couldn't go. But the Lord was right there. And just like in this little story we've looked at today, for the Israelites, the Lord was there. Just like I believe when Moses had to go and be in front of Pharaoh and say, I want the Israelites, I'm taking them out of Israel. I believe the Lord was there. Just like in the story that I told you about Abraham. When he had to take his son up on that mountain to sacrifice his son, the Lord was there. And I believe that the Lord is right here today. I believe the Lord is right here with us today. Every day, all the time, everywhere, the Lord is there. Let's Father God, we just thank you for your word that we've heard today. And Father, as we just part from this place today and go our separate ways, we ask for your guidance and your direction. And constantly remind us that you're always there. Yeah, we all have bad days. We all go through things we just as soon not go through. But you were there. So Father, just watch over us and care for us. Protect us in this very challenging time. And carry us through. Father, forgive us where we failed you. I know I failed you in so many ways. Father, we've got a lot of things going on in this old country. 
this nation that we live in, Father. So much anger, so much animosity, among a whole bunch of other things, Father. And we just ask that you move in this nation once again. That your will can be solved. And Father, we just lift up all of our folks that we know have needs of some kind. And we ask you to meet those needs. We ask you to be with the folks that are not present with us in this service today. And Father, certainly we ask that you bless us with some rain that we so desperately need. So, Father, just guide us direct. Just take care of us as we depart and bring us back at the next appointed hour. In your son's name we pray. Amen.